There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie. I am your host, Eduardo, and welcome back. We're doing part two of our big Infinity War roundup. I don't know why it's a roundup specifically. Yeah! (laughs) And I have assembled... A crew of cosmic cowboys to, <laughs> to get into this roundup with me, apparently. <laughs> First, the person who can't stop laughing, it's Peaches. Peaches, what's up, cowboy? <laughs> what's going on, man? I've also got... Uh, the. <laughs> The Lord of Sound himself. It's Chris. Chris, what's up, buddy? Sorry, I'm just having this mental image of Thanos while he's rounding up the Infinity Stones <laughs> of his face appearing in the sky above the mountain on Vormir and him just going, Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I can't go any higher than that. <laughs> I'm really sorry, y'all. I've been watching a lot of Tiger King and King of the Hill, and all of a sudden I've got a Tiger King accent. of the Hill? <laughs> Tiger King of the Hill. <laughs> okay, so someone's going to have to just explain Tiger King to me because all of a sudden, when people aren't talking about quarantining, they're talking about Joe Tiger or whatever his name is. Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. My God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, we will talk about this after the show, but if okay. anybody, anybody out there, if you're not watching Marvel movies, go watch Tiger King because it is wild, and that is not a pun. Uh, we've also got writer uh, for all things uh, Assembly Required and Squad Up. It's Robbie. Robbie, what's up, buddy? The world is so different from when we recorded part one. <laughs> I know. We recorded what? it before everything went to hell. <laughs> It's weird. No, I got, no, it's, there've been like memes about like, well, cause like pollution is down. Animals are kind of reclaiming stuff that, that had been, and it's like, Thanos was right. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 okay. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoever has the worst audio, that's just getting removed. Sorry, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's a question. Just the this really wouldn't fit anywhere else in the episode. If Thanos were really, truly eliminating everyone at random, was it possible that he, was he included in that, or was it half of everyone else in the universe, but me, Thanos, I'll get to chill? Well, it has to be everybody but him, 
because somebody could just pick up the Infinity Gauntlet afterwards and, oh, and undo, undo everything it. that everything oh, they did. So, like in the, the comic, yeah, right. Okay. So for the good of everyone, he had to be the lone survivor. Although comics Thanos, who was always subconsciously sabotaging his own plans, totally would have done that, and. Hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. You know, if he, if he really were benevolent, I don't know. Dwayne and <laughs> Dwayne and Ryan, <laughs> and Ryan. <laughs> the Russos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, that would be three groups. This, this, this <laughs> we'll have to get rid guy. of one and a half of them. <laughs> All right. Well, no, last I, time. Ever, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. no. I'm thinking about like with the planes crashing and everything and, and like directing like his snap. Like he could have spared the pilots if he thought about that. And but but he didn't. So he caused even more death that way. And you ever see The Day the Earth Stood Still? I have not. No. Okay, well, I've never seen the the remake, which uh, which I, I think Scott Derrickson directed, going back to Doctor Strange, but uh, uh, but the original, um, when when uh, when Klaatu, the alien, comes to Earth and he makes this uh, this show of strength, and he stops all electronics on the planet except for hospitals and airplanes and vehicles because he didn't want anyone to die. <laughs> uh, I was like. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. That I, I thought of that one to say it was, but hey, let's talk about this movie. I'll shut up now. <laughs> well last time Sorry, it's just human contact. <laughs> on assembly required, we spoke about uh everything that kind of happened so far. Thanos um had just acquired the Soul Stone by killing his daughter Gamora. Iron Man, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, and the Guardian of the Galaxy are on Titan awaiting Thanos. The Secret Avengers are with Black Panther and the Wakandan army to protect Vision and the Mind Stone from the Black Order. And Thor, Rocket, and Groot are on Nidvalir. Nidvalir? Nidvalir, you got it. Uh, To acquire a new weapon for the God of Thunder, but the forge has been shut down by Thanos. Um, Now, all kinds of things are happening right now. We're going to start off going to Peaches. But all kinds of things are happening right now. All kinds of things are happening in the MCU. All of it is culminating right here. And at this point in the movie, right after Gamora dies, you sort of understand the stakes that you're at. You understand 
you understand how much there is to lose. And I think Gamora dying, you when Loki dies, you think, oh, it's kind of serious, whatever. But when Gamora dies, you're like, oh, wait. Because you kind of almost expect Loki to die at the beginning, right? We all talked about like a lot of the kill lists had Loki on them. We kind of assumed Loki was going to die. But Gamora, I don't think anybody pictured Gamora being one of the ones dying, specifically the way Thanos kills her. Um, and so this movie sets a sort of sets stakes that not a lot of the other MCU movies can compete with. And Peaches, you uh, you, you think it, it it done real good with the stakes there, didn't you? We're gonna be it's gonna be a roundup this whole episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
You know, I was thinking about what you were saying, and as I was thinking about it, I was trying to think of other mediums that kind of know how to play that balance with humor and seriousness. And I keep coming back to cartoons. You think of your your, your best action cartoons. I'm thinking um, Teen Titans. I'm thinking Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm thinking a lot of these sort of... you know. It's a it's a weird type of cartoon that I'm describing right now. I think you could probably classify some of them as young adult, whatever you want to classify. But they tend to do a really good job of finding this balance between humor and and, and sort of more emotional takes, right? More evocative emotional takes. And I don't think live action had gotten to that point yet until Marvel. Really, we we hadn't really found that. I mean, and some had done it, but they I don't think they had found the right. And I, this is like a pun because we're talking about Infinity War, but they hadn't like balanced the scales yet. They hadn't like found the right the, the, the right balance. And I think um, if there's going to be any medium that you're going to kind of go back to, it's going to be th- that type of animation style, in my opinion, which is probably coming from comic books. So we're, we're doing a big circle here. So <laughs> Right? Right? Because it's got that... <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to agree while disagreeing a little bit. Okay. Um, I, I agree that this movie struck a great, a great balance. Um, I don't think that it had not been done before because I think there's a great tradition of adventure movies. And uh, like the first one that came to mind for me is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which has a great balance of, you know, there are real stakes they're killing nazis and you know god is smiting folks all over the place at the end but it's got really fun moments uh really thrilling moments uh there's i mean the great scene of uh the the whole marketplace fight scene is just a lot of fun so so i think that there is a tradition in cinema as well um but i also do agree that you know it does remind me a lot of some of the more i don't even want to call them serious cartoons but but animation, like TV animation, has like really had sort of a renaissance the past decade or so, I guess I want to say. I mean, there's always been good TV animation, but like, like there seems to be a lot where there's where they where the people who are making the shows are making it accessible for kids, but stuff that an adult doesn't have to feel, you know like they have to close the blinds to watch in their own home, you know, like it's embarrassing. Like I've, uh, I just finished up. I mean, it's ongoing now, but I'm caught up after having never seen before clone wars. 
And that's a, that's a show that, that does, I mean, just like the Star Wars movies, it does a, like, uh, like this was a show that aired on Cartoon Network and there are episodes that are all about like Senate backroom deals, <laughs> um, but it still manages to be entertaining for kids too, I, uh, because you, you've got a lot of humor and stuff mixed in with it. Uh, so, so yeah, no, I, 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 th- I think this movie has a great, great balance. Mm. yeah no i i get that i want to make the argument maybe it's not an argument because i don't know if anybody's going to disagree with me or have an opinion at all but i think a lot of those cues that we're talking about that come to animation are coming from japanese animation because specifically this is like a, a, a style that japan has been doing for years a lot of the classic japanese animes find this balance of humor along with tend to be a little bit more i don't want to call them adult themes because that has such a weird connotation to it but more serious mature type struggles that the protagonists go through in those shows and i think that evolution was brought on initially by the wave of initial anime that came over and then that blending of styles between american and japanese animation i definitely think a lot of the animators who are working today uh grew up watching a lot of anime and you see that in the visual style and in the storytelling style as well And I'm sorry, but when you said Japanese animes, it made me think of Metal Gear Solid. I don't know if you've ever played it. It's just like one of my Japanese anime. (laughs) Hey, Robbie, when you unmute your mic, tell us what you think about anime. The uh, the original hand drawn one, uh, yeah, that was that was yeah, Gandhi Tartakovsky. Yeah, I mean, obviously Avatar. That's an American. That's a Western show. I don't know if it's American or Canadian, but but the visuals are are straight up like anime. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to push back a little bit on your other point, Peaches, only a little bit, though, because my opinion on this has changed over the years. Um, but when I initially saw this in theaters, I was a little disappointed with the stakes in this movie. And part of that is my own fault because I am, you know, a buff and I'm reading up on all the news that's coming out. And so we haven't gotten to that point yet. But as far as stakes are concerned, when the snap happens and you see some of the, the heroes start to fade away, I didn't feel as much as I should. I still got really, you know, teary-eyed with Peter and everything. But I didn't feel as much as I felt like I should have because I knew Black Panther 2 was already slated and the next Spider-Man movie was already slated. And some of these movies I knew were just kind of already coming out. So I was like, all right, well, they're all obviously coming back. So I almost felt like some of the stakes weren't there. At this point where I am now in my life, I don't really care because we're on the other side of it and it's a fantastic movie and you have to have a point A to point B. But at the time I was like, Oh man, like I don't feel the stakes because I know all of this extra information. 
And I remember hearing that sentiment a lot when the movie came out, but I think when Endgame, seeing how Endgame actually ended up resolving it, I think there were lasting consequences, even for the people that came back. Uh, and, and you know, our Gamora is still dead, yep. and Loki's still gone, and yeah, we're getting the Loki show, but that's actually going to be a different Loki, technically. And Heimdall's still dead, and then even though you know a lot of the people that got snapped came back, Natasha died. Steve, uh, no, Steve's fine. Uh, Tony died. Um, Steve's just old. <laughs> yeah, Steve got old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. In retrospect, I think it it absolutely works. But at the specifically at the time, I yeah. was like, I, I understand that. And I think another thing to remember is that these movies are, they, they call them four quadrant movies because it hits like every, every demographic like likes these movies, men, women, children, adults, never. And you got to remember that there are a lot of people out there who are not like us, who did not know that there were right. more movies coming out and were probably very confused when they started showing trailers for a new Spider-Man movie because they're like, but he's dead. I saw him die. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then think about the kids who watched it, who watched it, and aren't necessarily plugged in because you know these movies have have a big audience with kids, obviously, and that's uh, you know I, I'm sure there are some children who were traumatized for a good year until. Uh... I've asked you guys this before, but I'm going to do it again for the sake of the podcast. Uh, have you guys seen that video with um, Chadwick Boseman? Where yeah. they're <laughs> asking him a black, he's he's like on the he's like doing red carpet for some other movie. I think it's um he's doing it for the was it the bridges one? What is it called? Might, have been, might have been twenty one bridges. Twenty one bridges. Um, and they're like asking him asking him stuff about the movie, and then they find out like, all right, well, what about Black Panther? What's happening with Avengers? And he's like, I'm dead. And they're like, no, but seriously, what's happening? And he's like, no, I'm dead. Like, <laughs> I'm dead. I don't know what to tell you. I'm dead. And it is a very uncomfortable but also hilarious video. Yeah. He, he's he's like laughing a little bit. It's fun. I guess you could follow that train of thought, absolutely. Sure. Mm. Hey, man. Are you a part of the uh, the Sonic school of conspiracy theory? 
Oh, the the one where they the hedgehog where they intentionally screwed up the Sonic thing so they could get good publicity to make it. <laughs> I, I don't I don't believe that one just because it costs them money to uh, move the date. And also there was already merchandise that is being sold because they make the merchandise so far ahead that there is crappy Sonic design merchandise. Like all the toys look like that Sonic. And yeah. (laughs) I, I actually heard a conspiracy about new Coke that the reason they released new Coke was that when, that that way they could actually change the formula of original Coke without people noticing by taking it off the market Ooh. and switching it from sugar to high fructose corn syrup. And when they brought it back, it tasted closer to the real thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, and this is, this is interesting. We're going to talk about soda now. I don't even drink soda. We're going to talk about it. Uh, uh, the Pepsi Challenge. The reason Pepsi always wins the Pepsi Challenge is that Pepsi is sweeter, so people like Pepsi more on their first sip, but they don't like to drink a whole Pepsi. Like, in general. I know there are some people out there who like Pepsi. Pepsi is okay for them. Yeah. Um, but... But there are a lot of people, they'll find out that they'll like a couple sips of Pepsi, but they won't want to drink a whole thing. But Coca-Cola, they can drink a whole like can of it and not be bothered. So, Uh-huh. <laughs> no one ever knows what they miss until it's gone. I have a friend who, uh, he's one of those guys, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You're friends with Kyrie Irving? we <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is stuck in America because he's not allowed to fly to New Zealand. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay, we've gotten wildly off track. So at this point in the movie, <laughs> the Avengers still on Earth arrive in Wakanda on the Quinjet. Rogers consults with T'Challa about the coming invasion looking for the Mind Stone. Wonderful scene with um, Bruce and um, Rhodey where he's like, he's a king, should I bow? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a king. <laughs> uh, T'Challa offers the Wakandan army and a suited up Bucky shows up to reunite with Steve. Girl genius Shuri analyzes. Why'd you write girl genius? <laughs> why She's a woman. What are you? She's not. Oh, well, girl genius. Uh, golly. <laughs> They're so uncommon. According to Mbaku, <laughs> she's a child. <laughs> uh, analyzes how to separate the Mind Stone from Vision, saying it will take a long time. At that moment, and I'm sorry, but Bailey is giving me such a dirty look right now, and I need to trans—I need to like transfer it to Robbie. 
and it's like coming at me, but it's meant for you. <laughs> not, this is not, we are not, no, no, this is not happening. <laughs> okay, so at that moment, Thanos' army and the Black Order arrive outside Wakanda, held off by the Capitol's protective force field. Oh my goodness. Let me read some of the sentences that are written in here because they are insane. Thanos acquires the Soul Stone by killing Gamora while the Red Skull is somehow turned into, uh, what is he, the Watcher? What is he? Technic- what is his title? No, he's, there? he's not the Watcher. Um, he, I th- does he have a name? I think he's just like the Guardian of the Soul Stone. Iron Man, Iron Man, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are on Titan. The Secret Avengers are with Black Panther and the Wakandan army, protecting Vision while Shuri does surgery on Vision's head and the mind to try to like get the Mind Stone, protect it from the Black Order. Thor, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot are on a dead star with a giant dwarf trying to make a a hammer axe. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. It's absolutely... This movie is insane. Like, if you were going to read this to to any one of us 10 years ago and you listed off all these things, I would have told you you were crazy. This movie would never get made and we would never have it. Think about way back, way back when the Christopher Nolan Batman movies were coming out, when superhero movies had to have a sense of realism to be successful, right? That's At least that was the perception. The perception was these movies need to be realistic or else people aren't going to go see them. Only the hyper nerds would go see the secret Avengers of the Black Panther and the Wakandan army <laughs> fighting off the Black Order. But little did they know, there's a little super nerd inside all of us. And <laughs> it's all a good story. You, you uh, get good actors and good storytellers uh, and make compelling characters, make characters that people want to see. Yeah. Uh, then that's all it takes. Yeah.
I would even go a step further as to say, not only is it easily inferred, a lot of the you almost put it into the hands of audience to go and do a little bit of homework, right? Like, and that is something people enjoy to do, right? Like, who is Ebony Ma and why should I care about him? And then suddenly I'm down this rabbit hole and then suddenly I'm ordering the Infinity Gauntlet comic and then suddenly I'm reading a bunch of comics. Mm. Like it is, it, it's it's almost inviting to kind of join the, 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 the greater universe. And, there, and there's a good way and a bad way <laughs> i'm gonna say there's a good way and there's a bad way to do it um my example is actually going to be a different um two initials and a last name starting with a j i was going to go with jj abrams um yeah, with like Rise of Skywalker, where you don't know why anything happened unless you read the Star Wars official Twitter account later that says, hey, did you know that the Sith cultists were building a, a fleet on Exegol? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Would have been nice to have heard about that did in you know, the film. Did you know all this stuff about Palpatine? No, you wouldn't have unless you were in that one specific spot in Fortnite that one night. Right, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, and it's hilarious to me that this is the same studio (laughs) that, uh, right. Yeah. That they, (laughs) that they have faith in Avengers, but not, not in Star Wars. Like I would have seen a three hour episode nine. I know you wouldn't have, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've had yeah. significantly more years to mature in their shittiness. Give it another, <laughs> you know, 20, 30 years, maybe the Marvel fans will be just as shitty. I mean, there is a there is a <laughs> certain group out there uh of comics people who I will not name said group, but there there are certainly shitty comic book fans yeah. and and surely they will overlap with the movie fans as well. So uh, we won't get. I don't want to invoke the wrath of anyone out there, but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at that. But but yes, no. I think the way that getting back to to the original point here, that yeah, they they do a good job of knowing what needs to be explained and what doesn't need to be explained, so that you're not leaving the movie going. I don't understand why this thing happened, uh, which some other movies have not and and they trust their audience to to figure things out to be able to read subtext uh they trust their audience to have seen the other movies which is something that movie studios in general have been afraid of i think and and i do wonder if uh some of that can be owed to people are real like with uh with peak tv as they call it how like a lot of tv shows now are very serialized in ways that they weren't necessarily in the past so you know a lot of a lot of older shows and i go i say older shows like even even go back to the 90s early 2000s a lot of shows like there was some light serialization where it's like okay i watched this episode and clearly something happened in a past episode is affecting it like like friends you know that certainly had a plot that went went through uh but a lot of sitcoms didn't or or you could still kind of watch any episode in syndication and know what's going on uh but 
like let's say a show like uh breaking bad you know that's one of the ones people always talk about with with peak tv if you watched a random episode from the third season of that without having watched everything before you'd be a little lost or lost uh that's another good example <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh-huh. It's interesting. It has like one foot in both eras. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> venture, venture. Uh, so Wanda's left behind to protect Vision, ready to destroy the Mind Stone as soon as possible, while Black Widow, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Falcon, and War Machine suit up, and the Black Panther gives the order to ready defenses. Such a cool scene, man. Um, Get this man a shield. Oh, man. Oh, that was like such a great moment in the trailer. Uh, and it was still really cool in the movie. <laughs> it was still really cool in the movie. And they used a different thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had two of them. Yeah. 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 Um, Thor and Rocket restart the star of Nidavellir. Um What's the funny thing in the scene? Oh, uh, the... But that'll kill. You'll die only if it kills me. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, what that. Yeah, I, I can never remember if it's that or the other way around. <laughs> but either way, that's what killing <laughs> And he just looks so confused. He's like, like. Uh-huh. And <laughs> anyway, I think it's funny is that it's someone who knows Thor from before Ragnarok getting the view of Ragnarok Thor and going and just being so confused by it. <laughs> and and I think that's really funny. Um so at this point we've got Thor, Rocket, and Groot off in one area. We've got Star Lord. We've got uh, Spider-Man, we've got Tony, we've got the Secret Avengers, we've got Wakanda. We've got a lot of really interesting puzzle pieces all together, and it doesn't, 
it feels like it wouldn't fit at some points, but it fits really, really, really well. And Chris, the, some of the more unusual pairings in this movie uh, tend to be some of its most successful, right? Yes. No, I, I, I love a crossover. Uh, crossovers are like some of my favorite things in fiction. I don't know why. I just think it's always fun when you get things that don't normally work, characters that don't normally work together and put them together. I think that's why I love Super Smash Brothers. Uh, that's why I love like Marvel versus Capcom. Just like the whole idea of it. We should play it sometime, Eduardo. You can kick Absolutely. my butt. Yeah. <laughs> we'll trade off. We'll trade off. You you can kick my button, uh, Marvel versus Capcom, and I'll kick your button, Smash Brothers, and we'll be even. Both of the <laughs> both of the crossover games that you mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I love. Uh, but that's it's the thing that I love about the comics too, and I think I've talked about it before. Uh, there have been some really great comic crossovers where. The success comes from putting these characters who, who would, you would not think would fit together, and putting them together and, and seeing what happens, like pairing up Moon Knight and Gamora and Rocket or or whatever uh, in the comics and things like that. But uh, I think that Thor, especially with the makeover that he got in Ragnarok, uh, he is a natural fit to put with the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and not just because of the humor. Uh, but I think there's a great moment early on when they first meet uh, where he is empathizing with Gamora about their complicated family history. <laughs> you know, it, he doesn't like it looks like he's going to be angry uh, because, oh, you're Thanos's daughter. But no, it's just, yeah, no, I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> and and it, it is a really. Well, I had to kill my dad after he killed my mom. So, you know, and I did that with both my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. exactly it's fun and then pairing off thor and, and rocket and groot and the reveal that oh yes uh thor speaks groot because he took it as an elective on on asgard <laughs> you know it, it's just great uh the awesome facial hair bros uh aka tony stark and stephen strange uh that is from the comics <laughs> um yeah i you know, we, we we don't get much of them, but what we do get is really great. And it's probably because it's the first time either one of them has really had a rival to being the smartest man in the room. I'll put with the caveat, who cares about being a rival? Because I, I would obviously put, I would put Bruce Banner on par with uh, with Tony Stark in matter of intellect. Uh, but Bruce doesn't care about that. Dr. Strange does. <laughs> they're both er we've talked about how similar those characters are in, up to and including their their hero's journey uh so putting them together is is just and watching them butt heads uh but also begrudgingly work together because like hey we are on the same side here uh Uh. <laughs> yeah yeah and uh i should say that it's a shame they never met shuri so we could you know watch them both be uh outclassed intellectually <laughs> uh 
Yeah, I, I did love the scene with her and Bruce. He's like, I'm sure you tried your best. Uh, and uh, another another scene that, and I know we'll talk about this probably in more detail when this act, when we actually get to this point, but uh, when Okoye, Wanda, and Black Widow team up and fight Proxima Midnight in Wakanda, that is a great scene. Like, why were you keeping her up there this whole time? <laughs> uh, and I... I I've just like wrote down like all my favorite, like, you know, I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. I, mean, <laughs> I could talk there. I, I read like someone wrote an actual essay about that scene and how that is the perfect distillation of Captain America's character. And I a hundred percent agree with it. Uh, he's, you know, he is a guy from the 1940s who went through everything that he's gone through in, in Captain America. And then in these Avengers movies. And when he meets, when his when his friend the Norse god introduces him to a talking tree, says, "This is my friend tree," <laughs> and and the tree says, "I am Groot." He's not confused by this. He just says, oh, "He's introducing himself. I better introduce myself too." I am Steve Rogers, and it is such an earnest moment. Like it is, it is perfect, and that's why it's so funny. I mean, it's funny because it is just a funny thing, but it, it is also funny because that is exactly what you expect Steve Rogers to do in that moment. Uh, everything we know about that character like that is my favorite captain america moment in this movie granted he's not he doesn't get super a lot to do in this one because they saved a lot of his stuff for endgame but that is like a perfect moment uh rocket raccoon saying to bucky how much for the arm uh, again that is <laughs> that Yeah. Picks up Rocket. Yeah. And, and it paid. And everyone was. I mean, I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy came out and the, that running gag about Rocket wanting to steal people's prosthetic limbs. People are like, oh, it's going to be so funny when he meets Bucky. And you know what? It was. <laughs> It's like, I'm so glad we got, it was just a moment, but I'm so glad we got that. And Bucky just like rolling his eyes at him. Oh, I'm going to get that arm. <laughs> you know? and, and I would have loved even more of these character moments, but this movie is really relentless in its pacing. And so much of it had to, had to be devoted to Thanos's journey. Uh, you know, Endgame does give us some breathing room. So we get to enjoy some more moments like this. Unfortunately, half the cast is dead uh, <laughs> when we get to Endgame. So maybe not as much as I would have liked, but I just go back to what I say after watching Avengers and all of that is that I would love to see, you know, a movie just about them doing non superhero things and hanging out together. And I think it would be a lot of fun, but, but yeah, no, put, you know, finally getting the weirdness of the guardians of the galaxy with the, with Dr. Strange, with, with Iron Man, with Peter Parker, all, all it's just, it was everything that I had hoped it would be, and I love it. Yeah, we don't do that here. <laughs>
Yeah, it's insane what they were able to do and in in the amount of time that they had, and this is a long movie, but it doesn't this movie doesn't feel as long as it actually is, because like Chris said, the pacing is relentless. You are blaring through this movie a mile a minute, and there's just something happening at every turn, and it's so entertaining that by the time the movie's done, you're almost surprised at how long it was. Um mm-hmm. and it, it it's it's absolutely the better for it. Now, at this point, the aperture for the forge fails, and Thor holds it open against the power of a sun so the metal for Stormbreaker can melt. When the hammer, With the hammer forged and Thor dying on the floor... Oh, somebody say the name. Uh, Eitri? Eitri Each, claims the axe can save the god, but it needs a handle. <laughs> Root, entirely aloof at this point in the film, extends his arm into a branch and breaks it off to become Stormbreaker's handle. Uh, a dying Thor's fingers twitch and Stormbreaker lifts into the air. Sparkles. <laughs> Sparkles. Uh, <laughs> Let me tell you, I love Groot. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it though. I love it so much. I fell right into that. <laughs> I, I didn't. It, it was like a bullet train coming straight for me, and I couldn't see it. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. yeah it is good that his wood satisfied that (laughs) oh man i am Groot. (laughs) whoa language you got some acorns on you kid Uh, (laughs) i said that last episode (laughs) and i am not sorry for saying it again yeah uh, all right. So, the Wakandan army and the Avengers with Banner and the Hulkbuster armor form ranks as Thanos' army made up of vicious four-armed Outrider aliens assault the Wakandan force field. The Outriders kill themselves against the force field. Are the rest of their arms vicious, too? 
or just their forearms? <laughs> their all four of their arms. So the Outriders kill themselves against the Force Shield to get a small number through, but are held up by Falcon and War Machine. To keep the Outriders from pulling the same trick on the undefended side of the city, T'Challa orders the section of the shield to be opened in front of them to keep Thanos' army free. We get a wonderful character moment between um, T'Challa and M'Baku. Oh, that was nice. um, Mm-hmm. yeah it's That's so good oh man and i i i love that i wish that mbaku had gotten more and actually i just read an interview with uh with winston duke uh like last week uh where he was saying that yeah he had actually filmed a lot more for endgame that ended up not making the cut which is a bummer. Like he, he actually had some moments there in the final battle. He said he understood why, and he just has faith that uh that Mbaku's going to get a good story in Black Panther too. I think he will. Oh, I think he will. I think that he was he's a character that people like really kind of took to. Um, another great Wakandan moment in this scene. Uh, just real quick is when when T'Challa goes to speak to Proxima Midnight, and when he says. You're in Wakanda now. Thanos will have nothing but dust and blood. Like, oh, that's like a boat, like just one of those badass superhero boasts uh, that just feels all the more badass because now we know what Wakanda is about after having seen Black Panther. And I, I don't know about you, I got, I got so excited when, when they finally decide to let him win and charge when, when T'Challa shouts out Wakanda forever because that had become like a thing, like a thing in real life, like people. <laughs> I remember watching, was it NBC or Fox or whoever did the live Jesus Christ Superstar last year, like at Easter or something. And the guy who played Judas, when he came out for his bows, he did the Wakanda Forever salute, (laughs) you know. But uh, I was wondering where this was going. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it it went to Wakanda Forever. (laughs) Speaking of Black Panther, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Practically the same thing. <laughs> yes, yes. As he's learning how to use the, the Iron Man suit. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's like, these are the adventures I've heard so much about. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So they scream Wakanda forever, and the Wakandan uh-huh. army charges into battle with Black Panther and Captain America outpacing everyone and watching the first too. blows. It is so cool. Just watching the both of them just like 
well, completely and, leave the pack. You know, I would say this, and now that we've had the, the retrospect of it, I think this is, and I'm going to, uh, we've already akin that Tony Stark's, um, pred- not predecessor, but his his um, his heir is Spider-Man, right? that's taking Mm -hmm. up that mantle. I would say this is almost a passing of the torch from Captain America to T'Challa of being this, this ver this section of the MCU trifecta, right? Like this is going to be the moral center of the right. Exactly. Phases. Um, And I think this is a, this is like a a good scene between the two of them because they're definitely, there's a lot of similarities between these characters, right? And there's a lot of similarities in the way that they would react in certain situations. Not, not in every situation, but a lot of that, like you said, they, they they both have a strong moral, moral sense. And I think it it is, uh, I think you could, you could probably make an argument that there's some sort of passing of the torch happening there. Maybe I'm just reaching, but I think it's cool. I could see conceivably, depending on how how nicely Sony ends up playing with Marvel in the future, kind of the, I mean, Thor is still going to be around. Right. uh, But you split Iron Man in two, you split Tony Stark in two, and you get Peter Parker and Carol Danvers, in my opinion. Uh, Because I think Carol has kind of that cockiness to her, and she can back it up because she's super, super powerful. And Peter Parker is like a more earnest version of the tech genius Tony Stark. Right. Uh, so he, so he's he's almost like a cross between Tony and Steve in that sense. Yeah. Which is why he kind of, which is why going back to Civil War, he's on Team Iron Man, but you could tell that philosophically he's more Team Cap. Which is how it is in the comics, right? He's yeah, on Team exactly, Iron Man, yeah. and then eventually he's like, "This is wrong. I need to side with Cap." Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got sad because I saw a graph like that today and it was real depressing. Oh no. Yeah. Man, I didn't even think about like like when we talk about big moments from this movie, we talk about uh you know the the everyone turning to dust and all you know all those all the Thanos moments. But yeah, there are so many hero moments too that 
And I think we're going to talk about another one real soon uh, that that people reference a lot. Uh, you know, a few. But yeah, there, there are definitely a lot of moments that really stuck with people. Like, this, this is a movie that just has so many great moments. And, and Endgame as well. Both of them have have like just not even just crowd pleasing moments because sometimes crowd pleasing can almost have a negative connotation because it's like oh dumbed down to uh to make everyone happy and it's like no but this it doesn't feel like that at least not to me oh maybe i'm dumbed down and it makes me happy i don't know but but i feel like it earns these crowd pleasing moments because of the 10 years of build-up that we've had because because there are unearned crowd pleasing moments we could talk about Again, but this is not Chris Craps on episode nine, the the podcast. This is Infinity War Part Two. Uh, so uh, the heroes start to struggle against the overwhelming numbers of the Outriders when suddenly the Bifrost appears on the plains of Wakanda, yes! and Stormbreaker flies across the battlefield, slaughtering the army of Thanos. Bruce Banner, <laughs> you guys are so screwed now. And Thor, in full God of Thunder regalia, arrives with Rocket and Groot and begins laying waste to Outriders with his thunder, shouting, Bring me Thanos. And that is, it, it like gives me goosebumps to this day when he says, Bring me Thanos. Dude, it is, you just, oh my God, it's so cool. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Mine too. Single most cathartic shot in modern pop culture cinema. I like, I, I can't, I, I feel like I already talked about this a lot in the last episode. I don't even remember. Uh, but God, I just, what do you uh, mean? We record these right after. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah i even and i've said this before but marvel keeps proving any doubts that i have wrong to the point where it's like okay i just know that they can do it now uh because avengers shouldn't have worked uh an avengers sequel uh, like this shouldn't have worked but it did guardians of the galaxy shouldn't have worked but it did endgame shouldn't have worked but it did civil war and Civil War is really what gave me faith since it was uh, the same writing team and the same directors. Uh, and obviously they had done Winter Soldier before and Marcus and McFeely had written a couple other movies before this as well, but uh, in the MCU. Uh, but seeing how the Russos as directors and Marcus and McFeely as screenwriters handled all those different characters in Civil War and made it an Avengers movie, but also made it a movie that is distinctly a Captain America movie while also bringing Tony Stark into it, who is kind of an overpowering figure in his own right while giving all these minor characters arcs throughout it. It was like, okay, if they can handle this, then I have faith that they can do infinity war and Endgame as well. And, and they, they did, they knocked it out of the park, but both, both these movies, both, both the Avengers, uh, 
Infinity Ward. I don't even know what to call. I feel like collectively we should refer to both movies as Infinity Gauntlet or something. I don't know. I feel like we need some way to like shorten Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, well, the Infinity Saga is the whole thing, though, is what they call the first three phases. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you make an interesting point. I think you could almost make the argument that, and I think it would be a pretty successful argument, that Civil War is almost a proof of concept for what they were going to do with Infinity War, right? It was it was Infinity yeah. War, but on a slightly smaller scale. Not even slightly, a, a pretty small yeah, scale. Yeah, much smaller, more more personal and... Right, but it was this sort of test case, like, what do we do if we have all of these characters and we need to put them all together? How do we balance all of their screen time and get them all together? And they figured out a way, and so they gave them a little bit more screen time, found a way to, to, to kind of incorporate them all. You'll find that the lot, a lot of the arcs that are happening are very similar. There's a lot of time spent in Civil War with the villain. There's a lot of time building his motivation alone, not interacting with any of the other characters. And that is the same thing that you see with Thanos. Hmm. Thanos spends a lot of time, you spend a lot of time with Thanos, figure out his motivations, not necessarily always interacting with all of the heroes. Um, and, and I think that's a, a an interesting similarity between the two movies that I hadn't put together until right now. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah you, could, really you could definitely see that they... They were definitely mirroring this off of it uh, of Civil War. <laughs> I'm sorry, Robbie. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so Thanos then arrives on Titan via the Space Stone. He meets Doctor Strange while the Avengers and Guardians hide. Thanos explains Titan is his home planet, which faced extinction due to overpopulation. Thanos offered Rand another great meme. <laughs> <laughs> Thanos offered <laughs> random genocide but was outcast as a madman and his planet collapsed. Thanos calls his mission Mercy and says he will watch the sunrise on a grateful universe once he's done. The heroes attack Thanos who shows off the variety of powers he has in his gauntlet before Nebula arrives and literally crashes a ship into him. Okay, but tell me the coolest scene is not Thanos reaching into the sky and crushing a moon and then bringing, transporting particles of the moon into the atmosphere 
Is he? Is he the, no, he's not the Mandarin. He's the Fandarin. <laughs> That's so cool. Dawn of the final day. Oh. Yeah. There are a couple moments like that where Thanos does seem like he's kind of like, hey, these guys are these guys are tough. Like you get that a bit with Steve at the end. Uh definitely getting that scene with with Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, with the harpsichord. Yeah, I don't think it is, but it, I, I'm trying to remember. I feel like it's not, but it is. It is very much. It, it's in that style. It, 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 yeah, there's sitar and harpsichord. I think so. It's like the, uh, as I called it in the Doctor Strange episode, traditional wizard stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I also like this is really the first time we're seeing Doctor Strange in full command of his powers. Right. And that is really, really cool to see and gets me excited for whoever ends up making Doctor Strange 2, since it won't be Scott Derrickson. Well, right. I'm and really hoping that those Sam Raimi rumors are true. Like, oh, man. He wasn't oh, given man. a whirlwind of debris to take him out of the fight this time. <laughs> so the problem is when he does finger guns <laughs> actually come out <laughs> so the distraction of nebula allows the heroes to subdue thanos and mantis puts him in a trance while iron man and spider-man try to pull off the gauntlet oh we didn't mention magic with a kick <laughs> <laughs> magic spider-man like jumping through dr strange's portal portals and shouting magic more magic magic with a kick <laughs> <laughs> yep uh-huh uh, so at this point, Quill asks Thanos where Gamora is. Mantis reveals that he is in mourning, and Nebula surmises Gamora was killed for the Soul Stone. Quill loses his temper and begins beating Thanos, breaking him out of his trance. All right, everyone. Everyone listening, Here I want go. you to hear my words and hear them clearly. Star-Lord did nothing wrong. <laughs> 
Star-Lord did exactly what any of us would have done in that situation. The whole point is you can't just be overly calculating and rational about this. No, I still think... You can't blame him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the, the point being, this is all Star-Lord's fault. I, like, disagree. Like, I think it's so... For, one, I think it's an incredibly humanizing moment. And we talk about emotional cores a lot. And Star-Lord is one of the emotional cores of this movie. The, the way that what he feels for Gamora really shines through in multiple scenes of this movie. You get a lot of moments between the two of them. And it is absolutely heartbreaking when she passes and he never gets the, 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 the satis not the satisfaction, but he never gets the chance to say goodbye to her, right? The last thing he sees is he almost you know puts a bullet in her head. And he's not even able to do that. And then she disappears from his life for what he thinks is forever. And essentially is. Right. Because the Gamora <laughs> yeah. that he knew is no longer there. Yeah. Uh, look. You know, it's... I, I hear the sentiment a lot. Like, it's really easy to just immediately point the finger at Star-Lord because I think they kind of want you to a little bit. Like, they kind of be like, all right, Star-Lord kind of messed this up. But then you think about it and you go, you know what? If I was in that situation, that was somebody that I loved, I would have done the exact same thing. And that is just because Star-Lord is human. And it's the human thing to do. It humanizes him. You know, he is... Well, and I think it works. See, Robbie, when you're speaking the English language, sometimes you say certain things, and what you really mean is another thing. You know, uh, you could take that however you want, but... When I say he did nothing wrong, I don't mean he did nothing wrong. I mean his actions, uh, there's reason behind them. Uh, a sensible person would probably do the same thing. And I don't think we should. anybody should hold ill will towards Star-Lord for his actions. Hmm. Remember when Doctor Strange used his portal to cut uh, uh, Ebony Ma? Or not Ebony Ma, the other guy. The big guy. Well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. I mean, especially he beat, after... he, he beat Hulk without using the gauntlet, right. so... Well, and that's just because the movie has painted that picture for you, right? But there are lots of moments where we could say if they would have just done A... Mm-hmm. This movie would have been complete. They would have had not had this problem if you know Doctor Strange would have just used the Time Stone, gone back in time to when he could have gotten the other stones. You know, blah 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 blah. Like you could go down that rabbit hole, but it doesn't make any sense to go down that rabbit hole because it's not. You're not. You're it's not sitting movie, here, yeah. right? You're not enjoying the movie at that point. Yeah, and and another thing is that I, I do think that there are some people, and and Robbie can can agree with me on this. Who are calling it a flaw of the movie that well Starler did that and and that yeah you know, and Robbie is making the face because I think he might know where I'm going like people who say they were able to blow up the Death Star that's a plot hole <laughs> you know yeah you know pe- people who don't know what a plot hole actually is um, yeah and there there are people who are like calling it a flaw of the movie that Starler didn't that first of all. You would have done it too, as we've established. Second of all, even if you wouldn't have, just because a character does something that you would not have done in that situation does not mean that what that character did was wrong and that that is a flaw of the film. Uh, and I think it gets back to the, the cinema sins kind of state of mind where it's like a movie is something you can keep score on of how people of like what's right and what's wrong with the movie. And, and you can't look at, at a story that way because uh, i mean you, part of a movie like like you watch a horror movie and you know the the characters are always doing things that you're like oh don't do that don't do that you're gonna get killed and but that doesn't make it a bad movie it's it's what that movie is supposed to be it's what that story is supposed to be just because you would react differently in it maybe you would maybe you wouldn't uh again uh, not every character has to be like a logical robot uh, your emotions can overtake you. And I think that is what people relate to, because I think we've all had moments in our lives where uh, we've made some kind of mistake because our emotions got the better of us. You know, that's what it is to be human. Right. I... Uh-huh. Well, you know, in yeah. in my line of work, I talk to a lot of hysterical people, a lot of people who who are really upset, who, who potentially are going through trauma, and you would be surprised what people do and say when they're experiencing some sort of, you know, complex, you know, lots of grief or something is a highly stressful situation where they don't necessarily know how to deal with it. You would be surprised. We can all sit here and say, oh, I know exactly what I would do in that situation. But until you're put in that kind of situation, you don't actually know how you would react or what you would do. Right? Not at all. And so I, we could all probably sit here easily and say, well, if we were starting, we're, we're taking this really far, but we could all probably say, we're, we could easily, you know, take the. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I think everybody in this group can agree that we tend to really not like specific opinions that are brought on by, I think this one thing, and this is as much as I thought of as I've put into it, and then I've moved on from it, and I will say this phrase without actually... Like, if you just put a little bit into thought into what you just said, you would change what you just said. But because you are not thinking about what you just said, you continue to say it. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things. Like, you did not... Like, saying... When somebody talks about the coronavirus and you say, well, this many people died from the flu, if you just thought about that statement for more Uh than five minutes, you would understand why Mm -hmm. that is... the. Very, very silly to, to, to bring up. If you just thought about it, <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. if you thought, and, and that's the, the sort of the, 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 the parallel that I'm seeing here is that we tend to, all of us kind of tend to think in a similar, similar manner, especially people like this, but just think about it. Just think about it for more than five seconds and you'll, you'll come to understand what we're saying here, that Star-Lord did nothing wrong. <laughs> Not literally, Robbie. <laughs> Bunch of pine cones. Yeah, if, if you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to phrase it in a way that makes uh, Robbie happy, that could be Starlord did something wrong, but it was a completely understandable thing that you would have done too. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. So Thanos attacks with renewed vigor, knocking out most of the team and shattering one of the moons of Titan with the power stone to drop meteors on Iron Man. My opinion, the coolest. Fighting continues in Wakanda with Thor's arrival having turned the tide. Bucky meets Rocket, Thor, and uh, Bucky meets Rocket. Thor and Steve Rogers reunite, and Thor introduces him to Groot. That, that's my friend Rabbit, and that's my friend Tree. I see you've copied my beard. <laughs> you got a haircut. <laughs> uh, the Black Order unleash massive gears of death on the battlefield to save her companion. Scarlet Witch rushes into the battlefield and destroys several of the machines. Okoye expresses frustration. Wanda was up in the palace this whole time. With Shuri undefended, Corvus Glaive attacks. Yes, Robbery? I mean, kind of, because she didn't save Vision, right? Right, if she would have just done what the plan... If she would have just followed the plan, she would have saved uh, Shuri, who could have continued working on Vision, who maybe would have been able to destroy the Soul Stone. But then you think about it for more than five seconds, and then you realize it's dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Um, With Shuri undefended, Corvus Glaive attacks Vision, knocks him out, uh, out a window to protect Shuri, putting him on the battlefield. Proxima Midnight corners Wanda, saying she will die alone. Romanov says she's not alone, and she and Okoye jump in to assist Wanda in a three-on-one fight of Marvel women. I think this is the precipice of that that scene that we got in Endgame. I think this mm-hmm. is where it originated. We got this moment, people were like, oh, that was really cool. Let's do this, but bigger. And that's how we get the, the really cool moment in Endgame. Um, Wanda ult- Sure. Yeah. Wanda ultimately saves Romanov by throwing Proxima Midnight into a death wheel. 
Um, Call Obsidian in Corvus Glaive corner, a still wounded Vision. <laughs> uh, Banner arrives and takes on Cole. Hulk refuses to show up. So Banner attaches a gauntlet from the Hulkbuster to Cole's arm and launches him into the force field where he explodes. We get that moment that you were alluding to um, with Banner kind of uh, succeeding without the Hulk. Um, Rogers fights Glaive, who manages to win the fight before Vision is able to impale him from behind the same way Glaive did to Vision in Scotland. Vision and Wanda kill their original tormentors who claim they would not get another chance. We go back to Titan. Spider-Man rescues the heroes from the fallout of Thanos' moon attack on Iron Man. Doctor Strange uses every trick he has against Thanos, but Thanos beats him and remarks that Strange refuses to use his greatest weapon, the Time Stone. Thanos pulls out the Eye of Agamotto and discovers Strange has been hiding the Time Stone. Iron Man attacks Thanos, who reveals he knows who Tony Stark is, and Stark viciously beats Thanos, having to constantly redirect his nanobots due to taking damage. All the yeah, efforts... I think we talked about that the last episode, but I do think that's a really I neat agree. effect. Yeah. As much as that's, you know, not my favorite Iron Man suit, that is a cool. Yeah. Um, as Thanos retaliates, Starks continues to redirect nanobots, finally attempting to make a spear, which Thanos breaks off and stabs into Tony's abdomen, exposed by moving the boss in order to make the spear. Thanos tells Stark Before oh, before we move on, uh the Thanos has that line when when Tony, after doing all this stuff, finally manages to scratch Thanos' face. And Thanos says, All that for a drop of blood. And I don't remember if we talked about this in Iron like in the, if I brought this up in the Iron Man 2 episode, but I took that, and I think I was ultimately wrong, but I took that as a callback to Iron Man 2, um, where Vanko has that line about uh if you make God bleed, the people will cease to believe in him, and then there will be sharks in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Thanos tells Stark he hopes the people who remain on Earth remember him and his bravery. Strange pleads for Thanos to spare Stark's life and offers the Time Stone up. Thanos takes the stone and leaves. He now only needs one stone left. Stark asks Strange why he... Do you know what I noticed this time? Sorry, again. No, no, it's um, okay. But the the way Strange produces the time stone, and I didn't notice it until this time, it's like there's a shot of him, it's like a profile shot of him, and there are stars behind him. And then he puts his fingers up like he's grabbing the star out of the sky, and it turns into the time stone. And yeah, I, I had never... As many times as I've watched this movie, which is a lot... Uh, this is a movie that, uh, like when it was first on Netflix, even though we, we bought the Blu-ray, like the day it came out, uh, when it was on Netflix, Angela would just like put it on and like have it on, you know, it was very much a, you know, it was a constant presence in, in our, in our home. Uh, but I had never noticed that, that they did that little perspective trick when he, when he, and I just thought that was kind of neat. It, it feels almost, almost comic booky in a way in that it took it like, you're looking at it from this perspective in a 
specific angle. It wouldn't make sense if you looked at it from any other angle, but it looks neat, so we're going to do it. Oh, yeah. That's all. <laughs> Stark asked Strange why he gave up the stone, and Strange answers, we're in the end game now. <gasps> Foreshadowing. Uh, as the Wakandan army starts to win, Thanos' army retreats while Thor destroys their entire ships. The Avengers assemble near Captain America as Thanos arrives on the battlefield. One by one, Thanos takes out his opposition as he approaches Vision and Wanda. Vision convinces Wanda they are out of time and she has to destroy the Mind Stone in him. The Avengers provide interference, giving Wanda just enough time to emotionally destroy the stone and her robot boyfriend with it. Uh... <laughs> this is also where we get that scene of, of Cap stepping in Thanos' way and Thanos punching with the gauntlet and Steve grabbing the gauntlet and actually stopping the punch. And he's struggling with all his might, but he's stopping it. And Thanos makes like this face of, oh, look at this one. And then punches him with his other hand. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but still, it is one of those kind of moments of, of respect that we see from Thanos that we talked about earlier. I think I, I think if anything, it's because we do do then see her kill her robot boyfriend. I, you know, she she goes through with it. She is able to. I mean, it's it's a devastating emotional moment for her, but she pushes through it because that's what heroes do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what they were just alluding to was, or alluding by saying exactly, Thanos expresses understanding Wanda's loss and then uses uh -huh. the Time Stone to reverse Vision's destruction and take the Mind Stone, killing 
vision a second time does did he remember dying the first time and then like came back and then had to die again or from his point of view (laughs) did wanda just suddenly turn into thanos right (laughs) oh shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah and now he oh, has all of the Infinity Stones. Does this mean that the Time Stone is the most powerful of the stones? Yeah. Yeah. Thor arrives from dealing with the spaceships and hurls Stormbreaker into Thanos' chest, reminding him Thor promised to kill him. Why doesn't anybody get mad at Thor? Mm-hmm. Oh, they do it with Thor because uh, Star Lord and Wanda aren't around in the next movie to have that continue their character arc, and Thor is. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting is because I think that's something that a lot of us as audience members wanted too. We wanted to see Thor kill Thanos because I, I said this at the very beginning of the first, of this uh, of part one of this was that when they introduced the movie by having Thanos come in and wipe out half of Asgard and kill Heimdall and kill Loki, uh, that I immediately went from thinking, are they going to actually make Thanos work after all this setup that wasn't really good setup? Uh, to thinking I can't wait to watch this guy die. I don't know if I've ever felt that way about a movie villain before where it's like, I can't wait, you know, for the heroes to win. And even knowing that it was going to take a whole other movie for that to happen, I was very excited about it. And, and when Thor shows up in Wakanda and when he shouts, bring me Thanos, we're like, yes, yes. Like we're getting, we, we all want blood too. Like, uh, so we're right there with Thor wanting it to be like, yes, drive because he like even pushes the the axe even further, like into his chest, you know, and it's like it's it's brutal. And it's, you know, we're letting Thor Thor's anger, but this anger that has been building up since Ragnarok, uh, you know, you know, it's like, oh, we just want him to have this moment. We want him to have this moment. And then Thanos takes that away, too. And it makes it that much more of a gut punch for us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Thanos tells Thor he should have gone for the head, then snaps his fingers. Thanos experiences a vision of young Gamora. Another wonderful meme. (laughs) What did it cost? (laughs) Asking him if it was successful. Thanos says it costs him everything. Uh, (laughs) Thanos teleports away from Wakanda while the heroes stand around confused. 
Bucky wanders up to Steve, then fades to dust. Half of the Wakandan army begins to turn to dust, as to, as does T'Challa, as he comes to the aid of Okoye. Groot slowly fades away in front of Rocket, which and this one really got me because he says, "Oh no, not again!" Um, mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, "Like, oh my god!" Like he has to watch Groot die again. Like, and do you know what Groot is saying there? He's saying, "I am Groot." No, well, but do you know what that translates to? <laughs> no. Because every I am Groot in the script, and this is something that James Gunn did in the uh, uh, in the Guardians movies as well, they gave Vin Diesel a script for what each I am Groot actually translates to, and that one was Dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> Right? He looks at Rocket and yeah. (laughs) 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 But, oh. Sound design in this scene, by the way, because there's no music and you just hear and I feel like I remember in the theaters, like you could kind of feel in your stomach. There's like something in the base, uh, like in the subwoofer. I yeah. don't know. Uh, but there's like this kind of this wind. And it's just like all the air is being sucked out of your lungs watching this. Um, Wanda disappears while mourning a revision. Sam fades from existence as Rhodey looks for him. Mantis, Drax, and Quill turn to dust on Titan. And then we get the, the worst one oh. of them all. Strange tells Stark there was no other way, then follows suit, and finally, Peter Parker slowly turns to dust in Tony Stark's arms, pleading not to go. This is especially tough because, you know, Peter's a kid, right? And he is Mm -hmm. doing what a kid would do if he, like, didn't understand what was going on and was about to, like, pass away. Like, he was confused. He was scared. He didn't want to go. He wasn't some sort of hero that was brave to die gloriously in battle. He was a scared kid being like, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to go, you know? And that's real, man. That And he's apologizing to Tony, right. too, because he feels like he failed. Even though, no, it's not your fault. It's Star-Lord's. We've already said <laughs> um, No, No, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. this scene is also interesting because both Mantis and and Spider Man. I'm gonna say Spider Man because there's two Peters in this scene. Um, we're gonna use their made up names. <laughs> uh, but both Mantis and Spider Man, before anything happens, they both feel something's happening because they both have sort of like extra sensory abilities. Mantis with her her empathic abilities and and Spider Man with his Peter Tingle. And th- something's happening. So they're actually, they even kind of hold it off a little bit. And, and Spider-Man, even more than anyone else, is able to hold it off to get that thing. And it's just such an emotional scene. And apparently, I think the Russos, that wasn't necessarily, like, all those words were not in the script. The, yeah, they, yeah. Then you, you tell the story because you've heard it more recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh. Oh, yeah. And I do think it's interesting in Endgame that he does keep that picture of Peter up on his fridge. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. yeah it must have been like... It was however long it took him to get back. Yeah, so she's... I think, yeah, so she's got to be younger than five unless unless she was pregnant when he went to space. Which I suppose is possible. Yeah. Uh, also, sorry, go back to Tony and Peter in this scene for a moment. Uh, back in Spider-Man Homecoming, when Tony goes to open the door and Peter goes in for the hug, he's like, oh no, we're not there yet. They hug in this scene. And it's, uh, it, it hurt, it hurts my heart. That's a tough scene. Um, man. And then, and then of course we get the, the actual hug in Endgame too, what, uh, under much happier circumstances, um, as well, which, which is a nice payoff, uh, but for a few minutes. Yeah, but, but everyone's back now, so it's happy. <laughs> but, uh, Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> so at this point, Nebula tells Tony he did it. Steve Rogers simply says, oh, God. And we get what is one of the best closing scenes of any Marvel movie, which is Thanos sitting down outside of on, uh, outside the home on his farm, watching the sunset on what he believes is a grateful universe. It is so like almost poetic at the end of this mm-hmm. movie. You know, there was a lot of people talking about how the protagonist of, and I think Robbie said this specifically, the protagonist of this movie is Thanos. He is not the hero of the story, but he is the force that drives the movie forward. He is the main character, if you will, of Infinity War. Um, and it ends with him. It begins with him and it ends with him.
Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, we always knew there was going to be a part two, right? At first, it was Infinity Wars part one and two, and then it got changed to Endgame. So we always knew there was going to be a second one coming. But this movie does a really good job of just uh, being a great movie on its own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, So we've talked about this before. It was originally announced as Infinity War Part 1, Infinity War Part 2. And then somewhere along the line, they said, well, it's Infinity War, and we'll tell you the name of the next movie later. <laughs> and they, they wanted to wait until this movie had been out for a while. And I think they even waited until it had been released, like had its home release before they uh, revealed the title of Avengers Endgame, which they revealed in the trailer um, because they said, oh, it's a spoiler. So we don't want to tell you before this movie has come out. Uh, And, but they, uh, and, and the reason they did that was that they wanted to reflect that they didn't want people thinking, oh, this is a movie that has been chopped in half and made into two movies. Um, they did film the movies back to back. Uh, I mean, I guess you could even argue partially simultaneously. Uh, and there were things that they had originally thought were going to be an infinity war that ended up being an end game, like uh professor Hulk that was supposed to happen in the battle of Wakanda. Interesting. And they realized, no, this does not work. And that, so they had uh banner figure out his hulk problems in the uh in the time jump instead uh because they thought oh this is just too much for one uh you know to throw into this battle here at the end uh, but but even though they are filmed back to back and made made at the same time and you know even while they were doing post-production on one they were working on the other and you know kind of working out the kinks into how the story was going to play out uh I th- to me at least I think they do feel like distinct films they are distinct movies it doesn't feel like like with the exception of Captain America not having too much to do in in Infinity War with the implicit promise that oh he's going to get a lot to do in Endgame uh, it, do- uh, it doesn't feel like there's anything that was left out of Infinity War to be saved for Endgame and, 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 I, and I said Cap is the exception but even that it doesn't feel like, oh, there was more that Cap should have done in this movie. It's, it's just there was so much other stuff going on. With this being the Thanos movie, it is a full, complete story. Yes, it's one that has a hell of a downer ending, but it is still a full story. And and I think the, the way they made that work was by making it a story about Thanos and the Avengers trying to stop him, as opposed to it being a story about the Avengers trying to stop Thanos which is a subtle distinction, but it is there nonetheless. And, and, and even though there, there are certainly parts of the movie that are about them trying to stop Thanos, but every character's story is kicked off when Thanos shows up. Thor's whole journey is because of Thanos. He runs into the Guardians, which is how they get involved, but of course they, through Gamora, already have a connection to Thanos. Uh, same thing with all of the, uh, the Earthbound Avengers. It's Tony and Steve get involved because because Bruce shows up. I know it, it's all it all stems from everything Thanos does. That is what drives the story along. So there is a beginning, middle, and end. It's not beginning, extra long, middle, cliffhanger. And you could even argue that. I mean, it's people, and I heard people complain about this. Like, oh well, this is a, a cliffhanger ending. This is half a movie. No, it's an ending. 
we only consider it a cliffhanger because our expectations are that the heroes are going to end up winning in the end. But no, they lost and they have to deal with it. And the next movie is about them dealing with it. But that is a different story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Harry Potter. Right. Yeah. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm and yeah and and with this being a retrospective i'll say it i think that a lot of that you know i kind of like felt like it was going to be that way after i saw infinity war but we didn't know until we saw endgame that it was going to work and i think a big part of that is the way they handled the story in endgame with them going to the five-year time jump and then for the five-year time jump to stick when it was all over I think that by doing that, it there are so many people who are like, oh, this doesn't matter because it's all going to get undone when Endgame comes out or when Avengers 4 comes out or whatever we were calling it at the time. And it the, the what happened in this movie mattered. Yes, we brought back the half of the universe that that got blipped away, that got snapped. But now... And we saw a little bit of this in Spider-Man Far From Home. The world now has to adjust to that. There were five years, and, and, and the universe will have to adjust to that. So we'll be seeing that in Guardians and the Eternals and whatever else comes out that takes us into the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe again. Uh, but everything that happened in Infinity War, even if certain individual character quote-unquote deaths didn't stick... Everything else that happened in Infinity War did stick and will have ramifications, you know, for these stories that we're going to tell in the future. So. So I think that was a great way. It's almost like they're anticipating people writing off Infinity Wars. Oh, it doesn't matter because they'll do a cosmic hand wave in, in the end. Yeah. Please, please leave this oh, part in. Oh, no, I am. Please leave it in. That's true. He's getting snapped. That's right. Uh, Post-credit scene. 
We got Maria Hill and Nick Fury observe the results of half of the living beings in New York disappearing. Maria Hill turns to dust, and as Fury turns to dust, he activates a red, white, and yellow pager, which we get to see is, you know, it's going to be Captain Marvel. What I love about this end credit scene, and this end credit scene, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel, which all happen in between uh, this and Endgame, is we get absolutely no information about what's happening in Endgame. Nothing. Up until Endgame comes out, we have no idea what's going to happen what's when's it going to take place what's going to be this we've nothing and i think we were all sort of clamoring for that end credit scene the one that was going to tell us what end game was going to be about and we never got it that end scene end credit scene doesn't exist up until that i mean the closest thing you can get is scott lang and them him and being trapped in um in the quantum yeah realm, then right? you're like, like well how's he gonna get out of that <laughs> right um and Little do you know, it's just going to be some birds. It was or, a rat. It was a bird, right? It was a rat. I, I know exactly what tweet you're talking about. <laughs> Spencer Hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember Danny said that when he saw it, some girl like in front of him said, oh, Thanos is so screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Mm Also, I want to talk about that that end credit scene with Fury and the pager, just in the context of this movie. Because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Robbie, because you probably would have heard this in the commentary. But didn't they discuss not doing an end credit scene at all? Oh, yeah, because uh, I think they were talking about not doing an end credit scene at all because they didn't do a mid credit scene and. And the credits themselves, and I think I mentioned it last time, but uh, but it bears repeating, uh, that there is no fancy computer-generated main on end like there is in every other Marvel movie up to this point. It is white text on a black screen while sad music plays, and then the logo doesn't even appear. It's just the title, Avengers Infinity War, which then fades into dust like everyone did. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And then there's no scene after that. And then we finally do get the scene. We're like, oh, hey, Nick Fury. Great. Oh, good. At least there's someone out there. No, they turn to dust too. But then we do finally get that little bit of hope when we see Captain Marvel's logo. Like, even if you don't know who Captain Marvel is at this point, you're like, okay, well, Fury's just called someone. Hopefully they didn't get snapped. And 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 the uh, the logo appearing, I think, is supposed to be their way of saying, hey, this message was received. You know, maybe maybe they're going to leave us on red. I don't know, but uh, they're going to show up. But then my favorite thing they did that I think made me audibly yell, you bastards in the theater was you know how at the end of every movie we get like Thor will return or the Avengers will return. And this one, it's Thanos will return. And it's like, you monsters, you absolute monsters. <laughs> <laughs> The next movie was Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Right. (laughs) Well, they... I think it was a a combination of things. I think you, you can't explain... Unless you make the end credit scene of Captain Marvel... Nick Fury and Maria Hill disappearing. But I feel like that wouldn't necessarily have had the same impact, but you could have done that. And then had this, the end credits, Captain Marvel scene in end game proper. But that would, that would have thrown, there would have been like a whole ripple effect. So I think that was part of it. I think part of it, going back to the fact that there are kids who love these movies and people who are not as plugged into things who love these movies giving just the tiniest bit of hope after the credits, I think was, was kind of important, you know, just to let everyone know, Hey, there, there, there might be a way through this. So, so I think you could argue and, and, and I can definitely see the argument of like, man, what if there was just nothing? Uh, But I have to remember that these movies aren't just for us, that there are other people who, Probably seeing that, you know, there are some parents who are able to go home and tell their kids, well, hey, you know, Captain Marvel's coming. You don't know who she is yet, but when you do, you're going to feel you're going to feel a lot better. <laughs> All right. So let's go into our MVPs oh, for yeah. this movie. Um, we're going to start with Chris. Chris, who was your MVP? I went for Avengers. And my Marvel. MVP is uh, the Lord of Thunder himself. Sparkles. Uh, Thor. Uh, i just just i love thor's entire arc i mean he begins this movie he he ends the movie really except for thanos uh the and if there is a main character avenger in this which there isn't really i feel like you could art you can make an argument that it is thor uh 
And you just see, and this continues into Endgame too, the weight of everything he's gone through from Ragnarok through this, just all the loss that he has had to deal with. Uh, just, just Thor, a character that I always liked well enough. In the last two movies he was in, all of a sudden, it's like I am Team Thor all the way. Like I just, I have just like come to really love that character. I love the way he's written. I love the way Chris Hemsworth plays him. Uh, it's a, you know, we talk about how this movie has a great balance of the humor and the and the seriousness and the drama and the tragedy, and Thor encompasses that. He himself is a great balance of humor and tragedy and, and pathos and all of that and. And and he gets extra bonus points for what is one of my all time favorite scene, uh, moments in any movie for that that arrival in Wakanda. Just yeah, I've never been so excited to see a movie character show up as a, even more than Captain America, who is my favorite Avenger. Even more than Cap showing up at the train station, Thor showing up in Wakanda just made me want to like stand up and cheer. Peaches, what about you? Robbie, what about you? Mm-hmm. I said, I said, main Avenger. <laughs> yeah. And if I didn't, I meant to, um, but I think I did. <laughs> Uh-huh. 
I think for me, I I'd honestly left this um left this blank up until right now, until probably maybe like five minutes, maybe ten minutes ago. Um, and the more we talked about the movie, the more I think I I tried to think about what what made me happiest when I was watching the movie, when I felt like I was happiest. And honestly, the happiest times I was watching this movie are when the Guardians of the Galaxy were on screen. When the Guardians were there, to me, were just they were just so much fun. Specifically, the initial scene of them all in the um, it's not the the Milano anymore. It's um, it's the Benatar now. The Benatar. They're all in the Benatar, and <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're all just having a great time. And I think the way that they interact with the rest of the MCU is so different. Um, and so my MVP is actually going to end up being star Lord. I, when I was talking about star Lord being an emotional core in this movie, I, the more I think about it, the more I agree with it. He has like Robbie says an arc in this movie and it's an arc of it's not, it's a tragedy, right? It's not a, it's not a happy arc. It's not an arc that ends with positive resolution. It's an arc that ends with tragedy. Him tied with Wanda, probably for the most tragic arc. Yeah, yeah, the in two this of them. Movie, right? And I, I think it's such a, a wonderful contrast for for Star Lord. Also, Star Lord as a character deals with a ton of tragedy in every single movie mm-hmm. you watch star lord deal with some kind of tragedy the first star guardians movie he deals with his mom dying you watch that the second one he has to kill his dad for killing his mom in this movie you have to watch him kill uh you have to watch him basically attempt to kill the person that he loves to like as like her final wish and then he doesn't even get to say goodbye to her like star lord tends to have a lot of kind of really bad stuff yeah. happening to him but either way i think as much as we, some people might not agree, I think Star-Lord is an emotional core to this movie and I think is really important to it. And I find myself, I'm going to pick just one of those, the Guardians. It's really hard to pick. It would be Star-Lord, but a real close second is Drax in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't even see him in this. <laughs> <laughs> the next question is kind of stupid. How does this movie fit in the MCU? This movie is the yeah. MCU. Like, I don't think it's really easy to answer this question because this movie is literally, this is it. Like, this is the culmination of everything. This is the MCU. It's funny because the ad campaign was all like, it's all been leading up to this. It's like, until next year when it turns out it's all been leading up to that. (laughs) (laughs) But you can't have that without this. Infinity War has been leading to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like everything led to this and then Endgame was the fallout of it. Only way I know how, Ravi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Ratings. I will start it off with the lowest rating out of all of us. <laughs> I will give Avengers Infinity War nine and a half sweet rabbits out of ten. Oh, what's wrong with you? 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I give it ten. Yeah, this this is my first ten. Uh, ten pints of hunka hulka burning fudge out of ten. That's after. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll go with rankings. Each of you tell, now that you've told your scores that are all so different, tell your rankings that are all now so different. No, it didn't. <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I also have Infinity War number one. Uh, rounding out my top five uh, would be Ragnarok, uh, Volume 2, The First Avengers, and The First Avenger. And I'm going to be the contrarian of the ah. group. Uh, Black Panther is going to be number one, and I don't anticipate that mm-hmm. changing for the rest of this this series. Until um, Black Panther 2. I am... <laughs> Until Black Panther 2, right? (laughs) And I am very, very, very torn on the next one. I have flip-flopped Guardians of the Galaxy and Infinity War six or seven times, and I'm still undecided. Right now, I have Guardians in front of Infinity War. But ask me tomorrow, and it might be the the exact opposite. Because those movies are, are both very near and dear to my heart. The only reason Black Panther gets a little bit of an edge because I think it it means a little bit more to me than the other two mm-hmm. movies. Um, so, like, while I enjoy Black Panther just as much as I enjoyed Guardians and just as much as I enjoyed Infinity War, Black Panther means a little bit more to me than the other two movies. That being said, after those three movies, I have got the Winter Soldier and then Ant Man. I'm surprised Winter Soldier's that high. Interesting.
it is still a very good movie, yeah. Yeah. I weirdly, I love Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is a fantastic movie. It's number eight on my list right now. Isn't that weird? I know, isn't that weird? Yeah, but it... it because I still have First Avenger in front of it and uh, Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Um, keeping out. I also have volume two higher than most of you as well, which is another reason I think it's a little bit lower. But, but you know, the weird thing is... Well then. Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, it's right there. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh, I was talking about me. <laughs> I don't mean yeah. that, but I wanted to stir up controversy like I always do. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, it's uh I don't know, but uh, kind of like you Eduardo, I feel like asking me on another day because I look at these rankings sometimes I go, that's not right. But other times I look and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. But but I'm looking at it right now going, oh, Black Panther's low, but then I look at it again and like but I don't want to bump any of those ones out either. So it's like, you know, it, it, it changes uh, based on my mood really. I, and I just yeah. always been bad at ranking things. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. I love the way how methodical you are with this because I am the exact opposite. I guarantee you some movies that I have rated higher are lower on the list than movies that I've rated lower. Well, to be fair, we're not rating them on the same scale. Well, (laughs) (laughs) it's just kind of how I feel at the time of making the list. I don't know. But that's going to do it for this episode. Oh, go ahead. But that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required and MCU Retrospective. The Assembly Required crew will return with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Uh, Going back in time. So, back, back to the, the good time is before, before the snap. <laughs> yeah, we get to watch uh, Paul Rudd being quarantined at the beginning of the movie. It's going to be oh. great. It's gonna be oh, really that's going to be a fun one to watch. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. Uh. But that's going to do it for all of us. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can email it, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter, assemblycast, at assemblycast on Twitter. Um, and thank you, everybody who's been listening. We are all the way through Infinity War, which is kind of crazy. Like, look at this list of movies. We have done a podcast 
and sometimes multiple podcasts on every single one of the movies on this list. Do you guys know what day we started the podcast? I don't remember what uh, day or month we did. Um, but we've got a... We're coming up. We're coming up on the year, um, right? Uh, no, because well, because we, we talked about it at my wedding in May. Uh, right. So, so it might have been maybe maybe June. Um, I'm maybe just opening June, up the podcast app, and I will tell you when our first episode premiered. Uh, yeah. But but we've been going through this for a while. Our first episode came out on June sixteenth. That was episode okay. zero. Episode the zero. Introduction. Well. Thank you for anybody that's been sticking with us, and thank you to anybody who has kind of picked it up along the way. I know there's a lot to listen to to kind of catch up, and if you have, that's wonderful. If this is you're just here to listen to Infinity War, thank you as well. We really appreciate it. Um, we have been we had a com- conversation off the podcast during the last one where we're sort of sort of blown away at the response to this show. We're we're all kind of floored. We definitely started this show as just a way. I talk about this all the time. I bring this up in interviews. I, I haven't told any of you this, but I bring this up in interviews all the time whenever I have like a job interview, but they'll tell me, you know, because I always bring up the podcast because it, you know, I talk about like, you know, how I'm a host of a podcast and it, how I speak um, regularly. So it, it helps with it, with that sense. And then they'll ask, why did you start the podcast? And I say, I always give the same answer. I go, you know what? I moved away from all my friends and I wanted an excuse to get them all in a room together for us to talk. Um, and that was, that's like just, and it, like, I, it's like the truth. I just wanted an excuse for us to like, because we always had scheduling issues. We could never get all together. And I would be like, you know what? How about we just literally have to get it scheduled where we have, we don't have a choice. We're going to talk mm-hmm. every week, whether we like it or not. And we're going to have a good time. Good thing we like it. <laughs> good thing we like it. And it has turned into something so much more. There's so much support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Uh, who has been listening and who has been supporting us. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um, but that's going to do it for all of us today. Um, D underscore Peaches, Gator Sacks 2010, Phil Kid 3, ABCD Eduardo 1. We love you 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. I don't want to go. No. <laughs> I don't want to go.